Georgia to the Well Good Chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. And for those that are listening, I know it's not the normal setting and backdrop that we have at a Well Good Chat. So if you wanted to just talk about who you are and a bit about, about you, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So thank you for having me. And I'm Georgia Carmichael. I'm 21 and I'm a GB athlete. But in the last six years, I faced two traumatic brain injuries, a spinal injury, and I'm now facing a life-changing diagnosis. And I'm not sure if you can tell by the background, I'm currently in hospital where I have been for the past five months now. Wow, wow. And if you don't mind kind of um, me asking with regards to the last five months, was it through the latest injury that meant that you were back in? How long had you spent out of hospital before so I spent a year in hospital after the spinal injury and the accident and then went home uh, December last year and yes. unfortunately it was readmitted uh, end of March so wow. just over well, almost four months out of hospital before yes. I came back. Yes oh bless you and I suppose going back to the very beginning so kind of kind of the lead up to where you are now and kind of how would you describe yourself as a child? I was a bit of a daredevil. I was always on the secret adventure, you know, outdoorsy, um, always wanting to, you know, get stuck in with the mud. I mean, I have an older brother, so I think yeah. I followed in his footsteps quite a lot, quite a tomboy, yeah. and fell in love from, with sport from such a young age and yeah. got hooked on it really young. Yeah. And I knew it's kind of always what I wanted to do, and I had quite bad ADHD as a kid. So for me, sport was a great coping mechanism. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And was your brother always involved in sport as well? Yeah. So he was a big rugby player through school, and then at uni went into American football. And today, still, you know, very active going to the gym, cycling, doing all sorts. We're definitely a very outdoorsy, adventurous family. That's for sure. Yes, yeah. And saying that you kind of always loved sport as a child and being on the in the outdoors and all of those kind of adventurous activities, was there certain sports that as soon as you started them, it was like, yeah, that's the one for me and that's the one I'm going to pursue? Because to now be kind of a Team GB athlete, there must have been a point at which you kind of focused on one of those sports. Yeah, I think from a young age, you know, I did hockey and netball and all that, but it was always water sports. I was always, you know, swimming was always my favourite thing to do when I was younger. Yes. And then when I was 10, I moved to Buckinghamshire, where I live now. Um, obviously, it's a big water sport kind of place. You know, you've got Henley and Marlow and it's very watery. So I that's when I started kayaking and rowing. And I think I remember the moment when I was 10 and I actually sat in a in a boat and I got off the water and I said to my mum, I'm going to the Olympics, like, no this way. is what I want to do. So no I, way. Yeah, it was almost like I felt home and yes. I knew that's what I wanted to do from yeah. quite a young age. Yeah, and, and so at 10 years old, I'm just thinking now, my daughter's going to be 10 uh, next month um, and she's gone down the gymnastics route and for you to know at 10, getting off the water, I, I want to go to the Olympics... So did you then, like at that point, really increase the amount of time that you then went to the kayaking club and and that side of things? Yeah, so at that point, you know, I really started training and I, I kind of thought, you know, I'm actually right at it. And I remember beating my brother, who's five years older. And wow. again, for me, I was like, definitely, this is my sport. And <laughs> yeah. It was quite motivating. And yeah. 
so then you know I joined the club and then from there I was improving to the point I needed to join a bigger club um, and then you know the next couple of years I went from training just twice a week to I was training a few hours a day and then when I was 13 I got onto the Great Britain team and then from there yeah I was very young and I became the youngest to ever get on and wow. yeah from there it was training you know six hours a day and that was it this became my life now so how did that so at 13 six hours a day did that mean that you kind of had a a, a tutor to do your schooling so I still went to school because for me I'm quite a sociable person so I still wanted to go to school it was just yes. very early mornings quite long training obviously I'd go in a little bit late just for my first lesson and miss like tutor in the morning Right. And then at lunchtime, I'd also have training. And then after school, wow. I'd also have training. Yeah, so it was quite a strict res- like yeah. regime from quite young. And um, and was the school close to where the club was? It's probably about a 20-minute drive. So it wasn't too close. I mean, my lunchtime training, I did a lot at school um, because they had a rowing team as well. So I used to join oh, in with them. Oh, yeah, brilliant. so I joined in with them quite a lot for some of my training uh, to get the hours in. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine, like, at 13... And like, we did you not feel exhausted? I think so. I remember like when I first started, it was definitely a big hit. And I was like, how do people do this? It was a big yes. time management balance, especially because I had homework to do. Yeah. And I was exhausted, but at the same time, I think over time, my body got used to it and I got used to it. And, you, you know, you get in a good routine. Yeah. And as soon as I had structure, it actually worked so well for me, you know. Yeah. I was actually then starting to perform better at school because I was so much stricter oh. on my time management. Yeah. Um, and my sport was teaching me a lot of discipline as well. Yeah. So I think they actually really complemented each other. Definitely, definitely. And I suppose you said you went from the club that you kind of first got into the kayak and you realised this is the, the one for me. You then had to move to the bigger club. At what point is it because you're taking part in competitions that then Team GB scouts scout you or or did you have to go through an application process to actually get onto the Team GB? How does that all work? So um, you go to like these little national regattas and they're, they're like when everyone goes and you know, they have selections and I didn't even yes. know about the selection, you know. I was just going to try and get PB, perform well and they're always up in Nottingham where the National yes, Sports yeah. Centre is yeah so I just went up for you know they have them every month and I went up and it was only my first one and you know I came away doing very well and that's then when I got you know that email being like we're inviting you to a training day and then they assessed you at the training day and then from there that was it I was on the team I bet you couldn't believe it yeah I was in shock that's for sure yeah and was it your mum and dad that had to do the driving kind of to and from the school and the training and that side of things yeah I mean so my mum pretty much became my taxi driver at times <laughs> and sometimes I had other teammates I could like get in the car with and luckily mm. when my house is I'm very close to the club um, and we actually back onto the river so I could paddle up Everywhere. to training yeah That's it's about really... three kilometer paddle just less but it was quite a good warm-up and then you know yeah. when my parents couldn't take me I had that option in the mornings really? and the evenings Brilliant. So you're kind of at 13, you've been invited to the Team GB trials and you're obviously successful, the the youngest person to ever be selected. And then was it when you were 15, you then won your first championship? Yeah, so I went through a number of selection races and, you know, I was selected for Europeans and then World Championships happened to be first. And I just won the Nationals that year. So 
you know, I was doing well. Um, but this was in under 16s and the World Championships was about to be in under 18s. And I was only 15. And I remember on the start line looking around, I'm like, these people are so much stronger and older and bigger <laughs> than me. I was like, this little underdog that yeah. no one really knew how it was going to go. And I, everyone's telling me, you know, the races for experience. You're going to, you know, gain that experience of racing and learn yes. some tactics. They weren't expecting much from my performance and how they do it it's like a heat semi-final yes and I remember the heat um actually messed up my start a little bit so but right. I still managed to get into the semi-final and then won the semi-final and then yeah went on to win both of my finals and everyone was pretty shocked but <laughs> in one of them which was the longer race which is a marathon race right. um I crossed the line with the other girl I mean we were pretty neck and neck and we didn't know who won and she thought she'd won and I thought she'd won yeah and then obviously announced that like George Carmichael's won and I was like sorry what like I think it was a moment wow. yeah yeah and I bet and I, and I love that when I love it like an underdog story where and I think sometimes I don't know you you know more than me because I'm not a professional athlete but sometimes when you haven't necessarily got the pressure on you and it's not expected and you can just be relaxed and as if go and just think, I'm just going to do the best that I can physically do. I want to do it for me and and kind of just go. And then to, to actually then win it, like that's just incredible. Um, so to then have that, so so you've kind of at 15, you've you've won those championships, and then kind of to where you are now. Um, and I know it's a, a, the, the question that I usually ask is has it been an easy or a hard journey? And I know from kind of your introduction and the the various challenges that you've had, do you feel okay talking about some of those challenges and kind of how they came about? Yeah, of course, of course, it's part of my story and, you know, I love sharing it and owning it. So, yeah, I mean, I had a really good year when I was 15 and um, went on to like compete Europeans and I we had one of my nationals and things were looking starting getting sponsorships. It was quite yeah. surreal. Yeah. And then unfortunately, not long after returning home from actually the World Championships, I was just involved in a bit of a freak accident at school and to see my first brain injury that led to three months in hospital. Wow. Yeah. So it was kind of a bit of post-concussion at first, and then the symptoms symptoms persist, persisted. So we went and got a scan and I had bleed and some swelling. And I had a lot of memory issues and was very confused and like I could move all my muscles, but it was the coordination wasn't quite there. And, you know, I felt like I was on a boat half the time moving. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, I was progressing as soon as I got the right treatment. I was progress- progressing and doing better. And yeah. I just wanted to get back in a boat. And of course it was it was a gradual return, but I did get back in my boat and, you know, and I had school and I had GCSEs that year. So it was, it was quite a lot. And obviously having memory issues, yeah, it was, it was quite a lot. Um, but, you know, I was like training really helped me again because that muscle memory of being in a boat yes. yeah, definitely. and just the drive of getting back to training and, you know, everyone was telling me, take this year easy, you know, just enjoy it for the year. And then you've, you've got time, you're young, yes. but I'm a bit too competitive for that so of course <laughs> I went on to go back to the world championships um when I was 16 and came away with two silvers that year wow yeah that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> thank you I think again people thought you know oh she's just come back she hasn't trained for that long and she's missed out on so much and I had and 
I think again I was going for that experience and to come away with two silvers after mm-hmm. I went what I went through was was really empowering and yeah, from that moment definitely. I was like right we're back on track do Nothing this is gonna stop me yeah. <laughs> yeah like I've had my bad luck it's gonna be good from here um oh. and yeah and then yeah so then so then you kind of had that brain brain injury and then at what point then did you kind of did the spinal injury and the second brain injury kind of come about yeah so I had a really successful year again obviously world championships I went to the junior olympics which was an incredible experience yeah being with my teammates where were they where were those ones uh it was in Poland which yeah which was really lovely and you know we were traveling all over the world that year we went to China for racing we were all over the world and then yeah I got back and I started sixth form and unfortunately I had another freak accident at school that basically involved being hit in the head but it wasn't meant to be me it was meant to be someone else and then a stack of chairs like crushed my head so it was a bit of a double mummy and this was a second brain injury which unfortunately was a lot worse because having sustained one my you know skull was a little bit weaker and I sustained a skull fracture and another bleed and swelling on the brain and this left me in a coma so I was in a coma in intensive care um, for quite some weeks yeah and then I went on to have a year in hospital facing you know I was relearning to talk and it took five months to get my first words out which I mean, I planned it quite well because I said I love you to my mum on her birthday which was oh, first words. oh gosh yeah. you're gonna set me off wow <laughs> so good timing but um yeah and, you know for me again my motivation was that I need to get back in my boat yeah and I, I faced many setbacks during this brain injury and it, it was pretty pretty rough at times and my parents were told you know she's not going to be the same and I just knew I need to get back in that boat yeah so I returned home still in a wheelchair and I convinced my mum to let me get in my boat. She was quite, you know, sceptical and I'm not quite sure. I got some friends around and we got me in my boat. She said, oh, don't paddle far, you know, just sit there. I was off. And it was like I hadn't, you know, it was like I was in my boat yesterday. It was like there was been no time. And again, for me, it was a very, I've got this moment. And, you know, if I can get back in my boat now and then six weeks later, I started walking and it just went to show for me what impact sport had for me yes, and how yeah. big it was in my in my recovery wow and then and then so and I've got like multiple questions going around in my head mm-hmm. the first one was because I've, I've read lots of different um accounts and different people's um experiences of time in a coma and yeah. I was just interested to just hear if you've got ever any recollection of when you were not technically present yeah did you have any recollection of anything or you're hearing because you hear that people can still hear when you're in a coma do do you remember anything at that time so I remember very little um the only thing I kind of remembered was I had a song stuck in my head which was Count on me by Bruno Mars and later like a few months later I told my mum about it and she was like oh I was singing that to you every day Oh, while she ran with it so I think wow. part of me was listening and you know but when I did wake up from the coma I was I you know was paralyzed completely and couldn't talk so at the same time it took them a long time to realize that I was aware and with it I was cognitively there but I couldn't I was locked in my own body so I couldn't you know 
speak out or like couldn't ask for help and I remember just thinking all the time I've got literally an itch on my forehead how am I meant to ask people and I learned to communicate with my eyes at first and then when I could I had like a tablet which I'd look at and then once I had enough movement I used my arm to tap on things on an iPad um which I mean I was very thankful for technology at that point and it took a long time to adjust to it but at least I could you know somewhat communicate my needs at that point Um, Mm. and my mum always says you know even though I was very much unable to do much I could still be stroppy through my facial expressions and so yeah that didn't change <laughs> still had still had that yeah. ability that's brilliant like because I don't know I, I don't know if it's probably multiple people's worst fear is to feel that locked locked in your body and how would you stop yourself from panicking at that point yeah I mean I remember obviously it first I wasn't really aware for a long time and then when I was it was quite scary because I remember like I heard the doctor and my parents talking and I wanted to join them in the conversation or yeah. you know they'd say something I didn't agree with and I wanted to shout at them or I wanted yeah. to scream and that was really hard having that frustration like built up inside of me yeah um being stuck in your head can be a very dangerous thing I mean you know all these thoughts you're stuck dealing with and you can't yes. voice them but for me I think I actually really learned the power of listening and realized yeah. how much before in conversations I'd be so busy about thinking about what I wanted to say next I wasn't really appreciating or listening to what people were saying to me yeah so pick it was also picking up body language and facial expressions I think was such a key thing as well and I became really good at it um I think it taught me a lot of lessons for sure and I remember once I was able to talk I definitely didn't shut up but (laughs) um it it was it was quite quite a powerful thing to learn and something I'm sure many people won't really have to face but yeah yeah, I think the the realization of actually I'm always so busy of yeah thinking of my next what I'm gonna say and yeah actually I don't really engage in these conversations as much as I could yeah and actually people have a lot to say more than I sometimes listen yeah yeah that is just kind of um so inspiring like when I think that you're only 21 and the different catalogue of things let alone being a world champion being on team GB and then talking about like your two brain injuries and then at what point then did you then get the spinal injury not another episode at school uh, no, no not a school not a school oh well. this I was gonna was say a, yeah. like I'm I feel terrified for people going to that school I'm not gonna lie I, I know, it's know. Pro- I shouldn't say that but no unfortunately just was bad yeah. timing on my part but yeah so then I did really well you know I went back to GB I got a scholarship at university to study physio wow which is uh Nottingham Nottingham University and I'd always wanted to go to Nottingham because the National Water Sports Centre was there and you know since I was 13 that was my dream and especially through these brain injuries and how the physios had always been there yes I was like this is what I want to do I want to go and be a neurophysio and help people like I was and show them you know yeah no matter what you're told there is always a possibility yeah. So I went on and I was achieving that and I remember thinking like this is amazing you know I was loving university and it's really? a fresh start and training full-time again and back you know with my eyes set on the Olympics yes. and you know I got into the team that was going to go to selections for the next yes. Olympics and things were looking really good. Because um, which Olympics was that at that point? So this would have so this would have been 2021. Right okay. So yeah. Just, yeah so 
yeah so obviously lots happened and then in November 2021 I was in a whitewater kayaking accident so yeah so I went for this race in Scotland as part of the uni team and I do flat water and obviously rowing is flat water too so I was doing and this was white water down some rocks the race was also called Death's Rock which I may or may not have told my mum before I went and did it but as I said I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie always seeking the next adventure so yeah and unfortunately it would have been okay but there was a lot of rainfall the weeks before and they hadn't graded the water right they graded it below what it should have been um which was easier grading and I think I would have been okay but this heavy rainfall made the water a lot you know more dangerous and a lot more risks and obviously water's powerful and unfortunately I just I wasn't in the right line and I ended up yeah going down this drop and I met Death's Rock so yes and it is as bad as it sounds I think and yeah so I had a pretty nasty accident um was knocked unconscious and the reason I survived the accident was my spray deck which kind of keeps you in the boat boat. yeah Yeah. it wasn't on properly so I fell out of the boat and went underwater unconscious and luckily it was rescue teams that came in and dragged me out and yeah and then got airlifted off to hospital oh my god so and at that, and then at that point, you you knocked unconscious. Did you then? Were you get in, in a coma for the second time? Yeah, so I was in a oh. coma again. Um, and you know, my parents once again were told prepare for the worst. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, she sustained really severe injuries, you know, spinal injury, brain injuries, and multiple complex trauma injuries. Yeah. So at this point, it was no one knew what was going to happen, and um, so for three and a half weeks, I was in a coma, and then I woke up, and you know, this time I was more with it, and I do right. remember waking up, and the brain injury wasn't as severe, and you know, right. it was, it, there was a few issues, but it was more on the spinal injury, and I yeah. had a paralysis on my chest down. Oh wow! And then I just thought, here we go again. This is going to be another journey, and I think. It was a mixture of fear because I knew what I'd had, I'd had to go through before. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I've proved the doctors wrong before. Let's yes. do it again. Yes. And every time they told me, you know, you need to like accept you're not going to walk again. And I think lucky for me, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> Being an athlete's also taught me that, you know. Yeah. yeah. In a training session, we don't just give up because it's hard. And yeah. I said, I remember saying to myself before I got moved to the rehabilitation hospital, I was like, you know what you've you've got to put everything into this in a race you you leave nothing behind to treat this like a race yeah it's just a race to get my life back yes so that's what I did and every training every physio session became like a training session you know I'd I'd work my hardest and um it it was hard I think being hospital especially at this age because my friends were still at uni and out partying you know we were kind of yeah um eight uh, we were 19 20 now so yeah. quite a bit older and I think I w- felt like I was missing out on more oh. but I just knew I needed to get back to sport yes and you know we really incorporated it into my physio and yeah I was in hospital for another year and I think this time I really faced more mental battles than I had yes. before yes and when I left rehab I was mentally quite low like what do I do with my life now you know I can't go back to physio at uni I was still in a wheelchair I was, I was paralyzed from the waist down and yeah. and had a really weak left arm so I thought to myself as like, I need to join the gym if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna you know do this I've yeah. got to get back into what I love yes so I joined the gym and so I know that's the best thing I could have ever done and oh. I this whole network of people and 
you know the gym became like a second home and I started yes. power rowing yes and you know within I joined the gym pretty weak and unable to really use my left arm functionally and three months later I went and got a PB on my bench press from ever wow. before yeah wow. and I think for me it was just very empowering lifting these weights I'm still in a wheelchair surrounded by these able-bodied people but it almost pushed me harder because I was like yes. cool I'm gonna do what you're gonna do yeah I'll just adapt it and I'm gonna do <laughs> yeah. pull-ups in the wheelchair and people are like whoa and I think that's lifting amazing. a weight above my head was really empowering and I was kind of learning to own my situation and see my yeah. wheelchair as a way of freedom rather than being like you know a hindrance in a way yes. yeah um so and power rowing was incredible and I then got onto the GB team for power rowing and then wow. you know I was like cool my my goals are Olympics so now it's a Paralympics we'll just adjust yes. them slightly yeah um so 2024 became my new big goal and that was earlier this year yeah um and started getting invited to trials and I was loving training back full-time training and you know I started working and going to schools and talking oh, about my story and how sport had really helped me and yes kind of helped me through this dark time and I think the gym and sport for me kind of gave me purpose I didn't yes. I was just I didn't feel like I was just existing I felt like I was living yes and that yeah. was really important definitely so yeah and, and it was going incredibly well and yeah I'd fallen back in love with you know what I've always loved which is sport and fitness yeah, yeah. and then at, and then at what point then did kind of you then have the obstacle of then having to be back in hospital yeah so it was kind of end of March beginning of April um you know I was doing really well I just came back from training weekend and I really was felt like I found life again and purpose yeah. and yeah and then unfortunately yeah I just got really poorly really quickly and I collapsed at home and so there was no kind of you know accident or injury yeah. this time so it was very different and I collapsed at home and came into hospital and was back in intensive care and they kind of said to us you've suffered a spinal stroke and I, I remember thinking like how like I've never heard yeah. of this you know I've heard of a stroke but yeah I've not, I've not why heard. yeah yeah and I remember thinking like why has this happened and through all my medical like history of my year and my years in hospital I'd always suffered these weird setbacks no one could explain and you know I'd had many over 12 I2 admissions apart from the original accidents you know with sepsis and heart problems that no one ever explained in lactic acidosis wow. um you know they always put it down to the injuries and the injuries kind of masked it yeah. And I remember I was sent off to a specialist hospital in London, the National Neurology Hospital, where they then discovered I had a mitochondrial condition, which oh. had been masked by my countless ne neurological yeah. issues over the years. And, you know, I had no problems before I was 15 and the first brain yeah. injury. So we were kind of like, how? And they, they still don't have the answers. But yes, yeah, so I have MELAS, which is a mitochondrial condition, and it's occurred spontaneously. So my mum is usually inherited and it's quite oh. a rare, a rare illness. And oh. yeah, I mean, there is no cure. So they were kind of saying, you know, this is a terminal diagnosis and you need to accept you're not going to go back to your sport. You know, we don't know how you've done it in the past with the mitochondrial problem, which of course is like, you know, the powerhouse of cell yeah. um, makes up a 90% of your energy in your cells. So they were like, we don't know how, but I truly think it's because the baseline I've always had is being athletic and yeah. it's probably saved me many times saved, having yes. muscle mass and obviously yeah. mindset um yeah so this, this obviously turned my world upside down again for the fourth time and I think this time it's been a lot scarier because there's been 
no kind of way forward so I'm like yeah. well why can't I go to rehab and just work on it and you know fix the spinal in- injury damage because it was higher up it was C4 C5 so in my neck Bummed. yeah um so you know, I came in I was originally paralyzed neck down and they're kind of whenever I do physio I get more poorly because it's mitochondria and you yeah. know we face setbacks kind of every other week we're facing sepsis or heart issues and all these these things and there is no way to fix it but for me I kind of see it as it's a rare illness they don't know enough about it to tell me when the deadline of my life is and it it does sometimes feel like this I've been given a timeline on my life yes yeah and this ticking time bomb is kind of hanging over me but at the same time you know I've overcome so much before I'm like stop me this time definitely and for me it's like obviously I'm still in hospital but we are working on getting me home and there's there's lots of goes into that yes but we're working at me home and I've just said to everyone I said I'm getting back in my boat yes yeah Yeah. I've said for me that's worked however many times yeah and I'm sure it'll work again you know and even just for mentally I need to be back in the water which is to me home um, and my happy place yeah um so yeah so obviously it's it's very different this time around and it's it's a scary diagnosis of course like just so many unknowns and so many questions that aren't answered and yeah you know it takes months and years to find out some of these answers and we have to accept we might not know everything yes um and there's little to no support for these illnesses because they are so underfunded in research and it's kind of opened my eyes this whole other thing that goes on you know I never knew about these mitochondrial disorders and yeah um and usually they do affect you know babies to young children they die early years so um yeah having late onset and sporadic I'm just a little bit extra special yeah and so but you don't know if like your brother or your mom or your dad or your grandparents as if they haven't shown yeah. any signs no no signs and they've obviously had testing too so it's usually passed yeah. through the female gene right um so it's usually inherited yeah through the female side but my mum doesn't have it my grandma doesn't have it so and it can occasionally occur sporadically which unfortunately is the case for me and you know they're, they're doing research into whether all these accidents to my nervous system and, and maybe the kind of pressure it's put on my nervous system over the years has, has played an effect because your mitochondrial especially with melas is through your mitochondrial system as well yeah. as your metabolic yeah uh, and your nervous system it kind of combines all three wow. so they're going to do some research and try and you know create studies of maybe if this has had an effect or if it's just been unluck- unlucky yeah. or you know there's these things that we we may not never know yes and yeah. are you aware of because I've never I've never heard of it before either are, are you aware of any groups of people like yourself that have got the condition where you can share maybe things that have helped keep your I don't know if you'd say symptoms or keep the condition more at bay or things that tend to trigger it more or and say kind of take I know everybody's different so just because it works for one doesn't necessarily then mean it works for another but kind of things that you can try yeah so there's actually a charity called the Lily Foundation which was set up by mum who lost her child to mitochondrial disorder when they were little when they were quite young okay um and you know they fund money to research but also helping improve the lives of people who are living with these mitochondrial conditions it's really crucial like what they do and and they've been amazing but the thing is obviously there isn't many people out there who have kind of lay onset or who are cognitively aware as well a lot of people have a lot more intellectual disabilities than I do whereas mine's more 
affecting me physiologically Physically, yeah. um yeah so I'm very with it it's more you know my liver and kidneys and heart and nervous system have been affected yeah. um so there isn't many people out there obviously I've talked to some parents of kids or um there is groups out there and you know I talk to people who have maybe different mutations and we're all different but we do try and share our experiences and it's nice having a network but there there is very few out there and I think that's hard as well because you're like wow no one really understands I mean I don't understand let alone anyone else and I think it's become a really important thing of you know I really need to learn to listen to my body which has not always been my strong point you know (laughs) sport which will push through everything ignore the pain and all that where I'm like okay now I've got to go against everything and try and you know actually learn it's like we know when my heart rate starts to go a little bit higher that we need to be a bit more careful observations and we keep an eye on my lactate, so with right. my last, the L stands for lactic acidosis. So when my lactate yeah. can go high and it turns my body acidic, yeah, um, which can obviously become quite dangerous. And it's it's kind of like for me, my body can't flush out the lactate right. from my body okay. anymore. Yeah. Um, but again, I think sports help with that because yeah. when you're training, you're producing more lactate. So actually, my body's used to being at this higher level that actually yeah. I think it deals with it a little bit better. Better, yeah. Um, and I really put sport down to part of you know one of the main reasons why I'm still here and, yes it's yeah survival. I mean surviving yeah. through all the injuries however many times we've been told I won't and now yeah. actually facing this I think you know sometimes I think to the doctors and I tell them I'm like, I'm not just a patient I am a person I mean I've got photos on my oh. wall here and I'm like look around like I have a life and yes. I was doing all this before and I will get back to it and good for you, you know, I think that's where the stubbornness kicks in for sure oh and 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 I would say you need to own that stubbornness because that's that is so true and I think the times that I've had to go into hospital not for anything near what what you've um, been through but I remember when I have been in the hospital and what you've said with regards to that feeling of I'm not a patient I'm a person it is natural to feel as though you are just seen as a number when you're there because they're, they're dealing with so many people all the time but that's where I think you having that athletic uh, background and that kind of determination and courage and and being able to go well no kind of people said people would say that at 13 you couldn't be on a team GB team um because no one's done it before but you did it and nobody would say that a 15 year old would win a championship against all the other older stronger so I would say that the fact that you've got that in you is like you said the thing that's kind of helped with your survival to where you are now which is kind of truly remarkable it's it is kind of really inspirational I know that the word gets used quite a lot um but your story up until kind of this this point now is just kind of miraculous um and stay I would say stay fighting stay kind of saying what your goals are for the Paralympics um something that crossed my mind as you were talking and you probably have, with being part of Team GB, you probably have like all the nutritionists and dietitians and kind of all the the, the amazing things that they can advise because they have got the best of the best. Um, it just makes me aware um, with regards to, you know, things like natural supplements where they say this is for your kidney, this is for your liver, this is for your kind of, would those kind of things that help your liver and your kidneys that are kind of more natural and holistic do any of those could they do any tests to see if 
they actually kind of give you your body a boost with regards to those things yeah of course because obviously nutrition has been a huge part of my life it's something I yeah do. for me I think as well being an athlete um I don't like being on medication because you're always yeah. scared you know we're always taught from a young age <laughs> are you going to get the drugs back <laughs> yeah and I'm like oh you put me on um and they do like to track medication at you and obviously I'm very keen on I'm busy researching you know all these case studies out there of you know things that have worked and it's proven part of my test result is my muscle biopsy came back with a deficiency of QT10 Right. which you can take as a supplement and you know there's 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 like no side effects I'm like cool that's something I can do obviously you have to be slightly careful in the hospital because they're a bit funny about that but it's things like that and you know just making sure I'm getting enough protein in and yes. you know fiber and all that and I mean I'm sure you know being in hospital like hospital food is not where you're going to get that so I get my mom to regularly bring in like green oh. juices and sending her recipes I'm like let's try this and once I'm Brilliant. home I'm already thinking of lists of things I want to try especially like holistic approach and diet and gut biome and all that yes. and I think that's a really important way to go yeah um because I'm like cool maybe you can't cure me but there's going to be something out there yeah you know even just to help like yes. I'm I might not be looking for a cure just something that's going to help you know yeah. me in a day-to-day basis and reduce the side effects that I like the effects I have like seizures and everything and yes. obviously seizures it's the keto diet is quite a big one right um, okay. and that's quite big with nervous system disorders yes. Yeah. So obviously I've been busy researching that I've, I've, could that help and you know I think it will be trial and error but yeah there's gonna be things out there and you know I will try and find some ways of helping like myself in that sense so hopefully yeah, yeah I think that's definitely a way to go and it just different even approaches like acupuncture yeah it's a huge definitely. benefit and, and things definitely. like that because if they can't do it you know within here then as I said there's this is gonna be something and you know I'll try all sorts at, at this rate and because I think yeah. that that is a big thing. And, and I've noticed that this just from my history over the years uh, with regards to different roles that I've done and kind of um, knowing that you've got doctors which do a great job in the hospital. You also have then got holistic therapies um, that I also know do amazing things. And then it's not often that you get the mixture where you've got a doctor that's also all for the holistic side and knowing that actually they can work together as like the ultimate because I think you'll all there'll always be a moment where you'll need certain medications that's just a fact of life but then I think there are lots of things that kind of that you could do naturally Um, and I'm exactly the same as you in the sense of if there's something that I can do to improve a situation that's I always say it's not illegal it's not costing me thousands of pounds it could be placebo effect I don't care because if it actually yeah. improves, um, because that's the thing, like life's not guaranteed for any of us. We all don't know what's around the corner. We could unfortunately kind of not wake up tomorrow. Any of us, um, you can have underlying things that you're not aware of. Um, and I think, like you said, if we can be doing things that kind of can prolong your time here for as, as long as possible, and I think also make you feel as though you're in control. And I think yeah. that's when you take it back and you go, no, you're not telling me I, I'm taking control. And even if I'm the one percent, 99 percent of people may not get through this, but I'm going to be the one percent that does. And I think having that control back again and doing the things you can do, I think, is really powerful as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, because you talked a lot with regards to at different times um 
it really affecting, say, more instead of your physical, it affecting your mental health and being in positions where you have then had lower mental health, being in the position to kind of adjustment. Um, are there certain things that you would say have really helped from a mindset perspective that you do even now on a daily basis to keep that focus and keep that frame of mind? I know that you, you probably do have down days as well and don't necessarily manage it, but yeah. No, of course, I think for me as well, last year was the first time I really experienced a mental health struggle. And I think it was quite scary at the time. Yeah. Because um, I'd never faced that. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm weak. But in fact, actually, I think it was oh. really strong to be to be yes. that vulnerable. Definitely. And in fact, I also think I learned so much at that point about myself. And I think I was also stuck in this loop of looking way too far ahead. Yeah. You know, I was looking at the Olympics. and I was like, oh, my God, I've got so much between now and then. And yeah. actually day to day you know the little things I was like okay what have I achieved today and I every evening I'd set aside you know and I'd just try and think of one thing you know it could be silly it could be like I had a laugh with a friend or you know like I do it I do it on a daily basis now and you know oh today I managed to hold a cup on my own or today I managed to feed myself on my own or I managed this and I think and I note them down as well because over time I can look back to the beginning of this admission and be like oh I can do that easily now like I do that on a daily yeah. basis and yeah. I don't even think about it yeah um and a big that. part for me actually was was journaling and I again have never been into this and yeah. um apart from like you know train all log training logs, yes. that was about as far as it went <laughs> with journaling but I actually really found that I enjoy it and you know there's Brilliant. no pressure there because it's just you <laughs> <laughs> it's just you and that piece of paper and I think for me that's quite Impact. I don't know like you know, no one's gonna see it I can say what yes. I want to say and kind yeah. of it's letting that emotion not be stuck inside my head and definitely. kind of letting it get out one way or another definitely. and definitely become a healthier way especially right now where I can't do sport which is my coping mechanism yes. you know I can't hide behind training yeah and I think it's made me really explore other things and breath work as well yeah which again I've never been really into until this admission and you know there is times where I know I'm getting poorly and it's easy to get stressed and anxious and I kind of find it good to put one hand on my stomach one on the heart and just be like I'm here I'm still here yeah and just reminding myself you know I've got this second chance at life that many people don't get and I've learned lessons that many people don't get the chance to like learn yeah although I wish my journey hadn't have happened of course that parts of it you know have been horrific at the same time I've become such a stronger person you know I've become close to my mum and yeah and there's so many silver linings to take from it you know I don't want to sit here and just dwell on all the dark days all the dark that's been within it and and in fact actually it's made me so much stronger and equipped for the future and these lessons you know I'll carry with me for life yeah and even simple things like you know the breath work which I never would have done and yeah I think that's really helping me move forwards and yeah I've really seen a beauty in it which again the little ADHD Georgia who would never sit still and is now forced to lie in bed. Um, yeah, so it, it's definitely helped. Um, and yeah, also visualization. Yeah. So obviously I used it in training. Yeah. Uh, to you know visualize my race, and I've always been quite good at it. I'm quite imaginative. Yeah. But like visualizing now what I want, like my goals. I mean, sometimes I'll just sit in bed staring at my feet, like being like move, but uh, like kill will. But yeah, so. I think visualization as well is sometimes when I feel just so much has happened, you know, and I feel like there's an escape, and you know, especially with setback after setback, even yes. recently, and 
the doctors continue to tell me you know you're not going to get better and especially being under palliative care team and yeah and it is a lot and you know they, they definitely see me as a poss- uh, like a, a probability not a possibility yeah so they see the oh. statistics are written down and they're like that's it that's your life and that's who you yes. see they see you yeah. but they don't see the possibility of what I can be and who yeah. I'm going to become yeah and I think that's really important to remember but also yes. yeah visualizing you know visualization has become a I do it every day it's a moment away from the madness yes. you know I will take myself anywhere and just be there for you, whether it's one minute five minutes ten minutes you know put on some yes. relaxing music um and just go anywhere else but where I am which oh, obviously is really important as well when I'm surrounded by these hospital walls not able to get out much and stuff I think sometimes it's hard to remember the beauty of life that's out there when yes. it just seems like this big storm and yeah. I can't see my way out as much and I think these little trips for me do remind me you know there's so much more out there and I won't stop fighting until I can see it. Good for you good for, and I suppose in in the time that like the 21 years um you've you've been here I suppose that's the brilliant thing of the journey of Team GB is that you've probably seen so much of the world so that when you are doing those visualisations, you can take yourself back to so many joyous occasions um, that many people even say at, at my age, I've never been to China or Poland. Um, and to be able to do those visualisations, to take yourself back to, to those times. Um, what wonderful kind of advice the the journaling um the breath work and the visualization I think they're all so powerful and also so underrated I think if people were to say just learn how to breathe properly write stuff down and visualize um I think people would go well what's that going to do but I definitely believe in the power of all of all of those things um mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm glad they they help you as well um, is there anything that you would say, um, and I, I want to say to a younger Georgia, um, but say if you were to go back to the 10 year old Georgia, when you were just kind of you just got out of that boat for the first time, knowing that that's what you wanted to do, knowing what you know now and what you've experienced, is there anything that you would say to her that uh, I'm just thinking of people that will be watching this that are young people um, and they may have aspirations. They may also have been through some of the challenges that you've been through. Is there anything that you kind of would say to them that may help in their journey through teen years and, and later teen years? I think through life, you know, hard things come our way and it's easy to lose that hope we had as a kid and those dreams we had. Because, you know, when we're kids, we dream big. Yeah. I think the thing is never stop dreaming big you know yeah. no matter how many people tell you things aren't possible it's what you believe and yeah. you know all along I've been told you know you're never going to do this you're never going to do that but I've always believed I would and I yes. think it's it doesn't matter who believes in you as long as you believe in yourself right. because you're your biggest advocate and yeah. never stop fighting for those things and it's okay for things to change you know also my goals and my aspirations are slightly shifted you know Olympics Paralympics but I think I will regularly think back to that 10 year old me and I just kind of made this promise to us that I'll never stop fighting for you I'll never stop fighting for me to get to where we've always dreamed of what it takes and I think I know when you know I get to the Paralympics I can be like wow we did it and that'll be a very proud moment for sure yeah oh definitely and is there anything I know that kind of um it's obviously uh, the way that you've 
see it as like your fight and you're you're kind of going to do this is there anything that like like say even like myself people that are watching people is there anything that we can do to to help you on that journey to the Paralympics like is there like just certain things that like we can either is like get involved in or or anything to just help and give that support to you um thank you I mean even just doing this and sharing my story is really important especially you know it's it helps me to own my story as well and yes. to kind of embrace the journey and reminds me why I want to fight yes and I think um I don't know, like obviously my friends and family have been incredible of trying to raise money to help me get home and get me to treatments and things like that. Yes. And obviously rehabilitation for me is for when I go home is really important. Yeah. But also for me to share the story and share about mitochondrial disorders yes, and definitely. things. I mean, it took me six years to get a diagnosis and that's wow. a long, long time. Um yeah. I think it's just sharing things like that and yes. you know, becoming more aware of all these things. But I guess even yeah as I said just being able to share my story like this is means a lot and isn't you know oh no and and like I say um I've I've also had uh David Smith on on the well good chat and like I said to him like it's people like yourselves that kind of are open and being willing to talk and share your experiences that kind of means that other people that are facing similar things to yourself not to some of the extremes that that you have but even given that like I know for a fact people will watch this and it will really kind of inspire people to if they have been feeling a certain way I think it definitely will make them realize that life is so short and it is the simple things in life that create the most happiness at times and if there is a sport or something that somebody can do on a daily basis that brings them some element of happiness that they're they're a very lucky person um, and like I said at the beginning kind of inspiration I don't I don't think even comes close to kind of what you represent so um, I know with regards to the Well Good Chat and the Well Good Initiative in itself is all about inspiring, empowering young people to believe they can do anything through mindset, learning and kindness. And I know just from our chat today, you not only embody that from a, what you do from a mindset perspective, but the fact that you're willing to keep learning, keep trying um, and the way that you kind of work with people and is just miraculous. So um, I really appreciate you, you sharing your story. Um, and when you do get back to um, back home in your wheelchair, ready for the Paralympics, please promise never to go near white water. <laughs> or, <laughs> back to your... <laughs> or back to the school, even to I do know. a talk, please. <laughs> like, don't do I, know, it. I keep on sending my mum links like, oh, I found this accessible place I can go white water rafting. And she's like, <laughs> do don't that. you even dare. Don't, yes, like, yeah. baby steps, you know, I'll give it a few months. Yes. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. So I'll no. stick to the flat water. Yes. Yeah. Stick with that, and uh, and yeah, and we will all be um, kind of rooting for you. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear. Please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks.